This is Pull Up Your Chair with Cicely Simpson. Career-changing conversations with groundbreakers and thought leaders. Here's Cicely Simpson. Welcome back to my talk with world-famous therapist Barry Michaels, the co-author of the bestseller The Tools. And if you listened to part one, you know I'm a big fan of this book. It's full of aha moments, and every single sentence evokes a visceral reaction. And Barry, I would imagine that when you're working with clients, you see these aha moments and these breakthroughs, these transformations literally occur right in front of you. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's so gratifying about being a therapist is, is seeing, oh, wow, that, that really got through that, that statement or, or that explanation that really changed that person in that moment. And that's so, that's, I live for that. That's just great. As do I, as I hear that from, from folks that I coach, which is why I think the power of this is uh, so important. But look, I've got a few more questions. I want to kind of dig now into tool four. Sure. Um, I so love the topic of gratitude. It is a topic that has been drilled into me since I was a child of gratitude. And so why is the grateful flow so powerful? It's powerful because most of the time, most days of the week, most weeks of the year, we live in our ego. And our ego is mostly, the ego is not all bad, by the way, but, but it's mostly concerned with what it needs, what it wants, what it's getting, and big one, what it's not getting. So we have this bias toward focusing on what's wrong with life or what's going wrong, you know, in, in my home or whatever. And we automatically kind of screen out the myriad ways in which the world is actually giving us things. You know, there's a beautiful tree outside of my window right now that I could literally ignore easily, but it's there and it's beautiful. There are beautiful smells around me. I have flowers in this room and they smell good. The, but our, our bias is toward the negative instead of toward the positive. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it really limits our purview. If you're always thinking negatively, you're not going to try as hard. You're not going to initiate new things. You're not going to meet new people because, you're, because you're, you've already sort of created a dark cloud around you of negativity, you know, kind of thing. The grateful flow is such an important tool because it breaks through that dark cloud of negativity, allows you to see the sunshine, and that then allows you to take greater risks, meet more people, do more things, and by the way, just be happier. I love that. Yes, gratitude is, uh, what did I, I saw something recently says, gratitude is the attitude (laughs) that we should all, that we should all practice. And so, I want to ground ground us in just a moment because we've talked about obviously your coaching and I mean your your therapy with your clients, how you work with your clients. And I, I want to ground us in the in the moment, Barry, of as you read these tools, and I love that you say, you know, these tools can change your life. And that's that you've already you've already said that here. That's why you wrote the book. But tool five shattered me because it made me realize we all learn new behaviors and we learn them for a period of time, but then we stop using them. And it's like, why did we stop using them? And I will tell you, I want to read something here that I want you to comment on because page 198 was my mic drop moment. Like literally you could have dropped the mic and walked out and been like, 
peace out, people. Like this pretty much summed it up. And the setup here is obviously you get to tool five, which is Jeopardy. And this idea of what if you stop using the tools, what happens? And page 198 says, what is the one thing you are at risk of losing every moment? Your future. Most people don't think of the future as something that is theirs to lose. The tools enable you to overcome your problems in the present and changes who you become in the future. The limitless potential is your future. Stop using these tools and the potential is destroyed. Your future is in jeopardy every single moment. I'm going to let you expand on that however you want, Barry. But for me, that was the mic drop moment because it's like, if you stop using these tools, you're putting your future in jeopardy. They can change their life or they can destroy your life if you stop using them. But tell me, am I wrong about that? Is that kind of the moment of realization here? Or or why were you so emphatic about jeopardy being the end-all, be-all consequence if you stop using these tools that can change your life? Because between the two of us, Phil and I have tens of thousands of hours of therapy that we put in and we see that most people most people make changes in therapy with us but most people stop it's okay that they stop therapy but they stop making the changes because they get lazy because human beings are fundamentally lazy now there's something deeper going on than laziness you wouldn't stop working on yourself if you really knew in a deep way that death was real. I'm not talking about knowing it in your head. I'm talking about feeling it in your heart. Death is awful to contemplate, but there's one great thing about death, which is it makes it clear that what you do right now and in every single moment matters. Death is what makes it matter. If you wouldn't die, then you'd have an infinite number of moments, which means that this moment is not particularly important. Death means that this moment matters. And you can use the fact of death to get yourself to do things in the present moment that you wouldn't otherwise do because it creates death creates a sense of urgency. It creates a sense of like, shit, if I don't use this moment, I'm going to simply lose this moment. And that's what the tool Jeopardy is designed to do. It's designed to evoke that sense of urgency that we all feel when we contemplate death, not to torture yourself, but to actually get yourself to take action based on that sense of urgency. And is the sense of urgency, does it bring people back around or does it tend to paralyze them over the thought of death and fear? It tends to bring them back around because what we do is we have them use the tool immediately before they're about to take action on something so that the sense of urgency doesn't just percolate and drive you crazy. It actually flows right into the action step that you're about to take. And people who use uh, uh, Jeopardy regularly find themselves taking more action steps in general, not necessarily because you're using the tool every single time, but because they've used it enough that they can summon up that sense of urgency much more easily than somebody who hasn't used that tool. You know, the Stoics, you know, who are sort of enjoying a little bit of a comeback, um, were very, very big on studying death. They felt that death was very, very important. 
that it was an important part of life and that it was a very important part of taking action because unless you knew and felt that your life was finite, why take action? After all, I have an infinite number of moments in life. Why, why would I act now? You know, kind of thing. Right. It strikes me that also that sense of urgency, perhaps the jeopardy moment can also be evoked by someone who has lost someone very quickly in their life. And they realize the fleeting moments that they have left. I assume that's part of the paradigm shift that you see uh, in your clients as well. Yes, a thousand percent. They value their relationships now in the present because they're more acutely aware of the fact that there are no guarantees about the future. And let me make sure that your listeners understand Jeopardy is not a tool that's going to lead you to ruminate about the future or ruminate about death or anything like that. It's using death for a very specific purpose, which is to create a sense of urgency and the need to take action in the present. That's it. I think Jeopardy puts a sense of urgency into a new perspective. At least I, that was my, my takeaway. But at, towards the end of the book, you kind of came back to a fundamental premise, an old adage, and I think just a universal truth that anyone who reads this book puts these tools into place is going to come back to, and it's on page 229, new ideas cannot enter until old rigid ones are shattered. Mm. We have to be open to learning these tools and trying new behaviors. And so... My question, or at least that's my, my summation, my question is, is the biggest obstacle to using these tools a person's willingness to try new, accept new, be new? Is that the biggest obstacle or is there something else? I think there might be one obstacle that comes before that, which is, and this is better than it used to be, by the way, but people have a misguided notion that somehow they can change their lives and improve their lives and make things better for themselves simply by talking about it. And the tools, of course, require you to actually do something about it. You don't have to do something with someone or change your job or anything like that. But using a tool is doing something. You actually have to work at it to use the tool. And so that bias against action is one of the hardest things to overcome with people. I have to say it's much better than it used to be. When I was a beginning shrink, you know, the whole practice of therapy was different. It was all about analyzing why you have the problem, what your parents did, what your home life was like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Nowadays, and this is due partly to coaching, the prevailing philosophy has more to do with do things try this, take action, you know, kind of thing. Don't spend too much time analyzing how you got here. Let's just get you past it. And it's much, much easier to get people to take action now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. That makes a lot of sense. How does Coming Alive build on the tools? What's the connection between the two books? It um, takes it into another whole dimension in a sense um, in that we introduce the notion of the life force, which is a force inside of you that is not biological. It's more kind of spiritual. And I don't mean to put people off by the term spiritual. It just means that it's an invisible force inside of you and how the tools can enhance your life force. 
so that you find yourself not simply overcoming a problem, but your life expands in all kinds of directions. The people that you meet are more interesting and more numerous. Um, the job opportunities you get, get, get bigger. Uh, you're introduced to a notion, you know, that Carl Jung called synchronicity, which was that when I make a change inside of myself, I somehow also change the people and opportunities that come into my life. They seem improved. They seem better, you know, kind of thing. So the coming alive has a, I guess, a broader purview than, than the tools. Well, I feel like I've given away a lot about the tools and maybe coming alive uh, in this conversation. But what are your final thoughts for folks, Barry? Obviously, we want people to uh, read the tools, read Coming Alive. Just as I said, the revelatory moments, the aha moments are just sentence after sentence after sentence uh, that will resonate with people who are listening to this podcast, but reading the books. But what are your final thoughts for our listeners as we've talked about both books, but also what wisdom would you impart on them? You know, what I always want to tell people, because I see, you know, I, I sort of see the underbelly. I, I see not the persona that people project to one another, but the sadness, the desperation, the feeling of nothing will ever really change, you know, kind of thing. And what I want to say to people is don't buy that. There is a way out. You have to work at it. But if you take any one of the tools in any of our books or on our website and use it and use it and use it again and again and again, you will see things change in your life. So don't fall prey to the sort of prevailing sense of despair that human beings feel and that you know, part X, which is what we talk about in, in Coming Alive, which is kind of like this inner enemy, is always trying to perpetrate that sense of despair and hopelessness. You don't have to feel that way. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. and You can change things. The power of belief. I, I love that. What is that website, Barry, that people can, can, uh, can, can research or look up? That's thetoolsbook.com. Awesome. Barry, I think we could go back to where we started, which was you and I could probably sit here for another two or three hours and go deeper and go deeper and go deeper into so many of these topics. But we are grateful for your time, for your wisdom, for your knowledge. Um, I encourage everyone listening to buy the tools, buy Coming Alive. They are phenomenal. And as Barry has said, as the book tells you, they are life-changing. So Barry, thank you for your time for this conversation for your willingness to join us. I think uh, I think everybody's gonna love this conversation. Thank you so much, I really enjoyed it. I did too. And that wraps up another episode of Pull Up Your Chair. If you enjoy the show, make sure you take a second to subscribe so you automatically get my new shows when they drop. Also, if you have a minute, I'd love if you left us a review so that more folks like yourself can discover the show. I'll see you next time. This has been Pull Up Your Chair with Cicely Simpson. To connect with Cicely and learn how to change your career, go to cicelysimpson.com.